0: Hello, it's Misha Youssef. This is Tell Them I Am. All my life, I've lived with other people. But last year, I decided to rent a place on my own. No roommates, no parents, no partner, just me. It was a huge adjustment. It's weird being on your own, guys. And then in almost biblical fashion, there was a pandemic. I was literally, completely alone. You know, one of the biggest things I realized those first few days was that my whole life, other people had been reflecting me back to myself, like mirrors. If I was being messy, if I looked pretty, if it was my turn to make dinner, Other people were always there to remind me of me. That I existed. That I mattered. That I had shit to do. When I moved out on my own, though, there were no mirrors. No one was telling me that I looked cute, or could I help with the dishes, or that I had a deadline. No one was there to remind me that I existed. I was met with a giant wall of silence. So, 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 so. Naturally, I tried to drown out that silence with noise. Well, when that dynamite goes off, it makes a racket, don't it? Like, I turn on the TV in the background while I cooked. From one night to the next, it's never the same. They make it that way. Or listen to songs on repeat while I cleaned. Or scroll through TikTok every day. Freaking moment I got.
1: Well, my wife's so cute. Why does mine sound like a chihuahua?
0: My therapist will have a field day with this, but I even bought actual mirrors and put them all over my house. And then it hit me that I had made the decision to live alone. I had wanted to get to know parts of myself that weren't just reflected back at me by other people. And there was no way I was going to do that as long as there was noise around me. It might sound kind of silly, but I realized that I exist in this world all on my own. I didn't need other people to remind me of this. I didn't need mirrors. I didn't need noise. Noise that drowns out my own voice. So I started to give in to the silence and become my own mirror.
1: My name is Malala Yesufzai. I am known as a girls' education activist and uh, the youngest Nobel Peace Prize winner. When I was little, I used to have many friends. I was uh, very popular in my school. We used to have just fun all the time playing games from hide and seek to cricket to badminton and just running around and we would giggle and laugh and sing songs and and i think the it's always bollywood songs we used to watch wwe we used to watch wrestling a lot, so in like the bed, you know, like the parents, the, the double bed thing, that used to be like the, the ring of wrestling in our house. But we would do the John Cena moves like, you know, you can't see me. And my brothers and I thought it was serious, so like when John Cena would lose, we thought he seriously lo- lost But then when I learned it was and I was like, all those emotions, all that love and support that I was giving, like, it was all a lie. It just broke my heart. Things changed for me when uh, Talibanization started in Swat Valley, and that was around 2007. They banned girls' education. They stopped women from going to markets. We were not even allowed to have music cassettes or CDs or TVs. If the Taliban would hear anyone have sort of a a television, if, if they would hear the sound, they would go into that house and they would destroy all their TVs and everything. And people would be like, why would anyone do that? Then the Pakistan uh, military, they came to Swat Valley and there were military operations and there would be this firing all the time. You would hear the sound of uh, firing literally like every 10 to 20 minutes. Children usually play hide and seek, police and thief. Kids in Swat Valley, after that terrorism, would play Taliban versus army. Because I was a girl, I knew that it meant more than that for me. Uh, it, it was about my future. It was about my rights and dignity. Uh, and, and their goal was simple, to just keep women in the houses, not allow them to get their education, not allow them to have any professions, any, any future jobs or anything, as simple as that.
0: And this is the part of Malala's story you already know. She survives a Taliban attack on her. And she goes on to advocate for girls' access to education and children's rights across the globe. There's no room in her new life for her to be a child. She grows up fast.
1: I was also busy in events and and giving speeches at different places and, you know, meeting these world leaders and just being surrounded by people who were, you know, like serious. or uh, And I was only 17, 18 years old, but I was not getting the opportunity to be with people of my own age. I always felt that there was this funny young Malala inside me, and I did not know how to help her to come out, how to help her to express herself. And she needed an opportunity.
0: When she gets to college, she's determined to let out funny young Malala. And the best way to let her out? Making friends her age.
1: I literally tried everything. I would go to uh, debates and speeches and, and listen to these different speakers. I would go to a Kawali event, I would go to a Diwali party, I would go to, uh, you know, a very serious conversation by some economist, politician. And sometimes the things would be quite boring, but I was like, you know, why not? Let's let's just hear it. Let's just hear what they say. So I just went to literally everything. I even tried rowing. And when I went to my first rowing lesson, uh, I'm there and we are like, you know, I, I was just... You know, sitting in this really, like, and the rowing boat is, like, really tiny. And you're like, like, I could just literally, if this flips over, like, we could all die. Uh, they they asked if we could swim. And I was like, I can't swim. Uh, and they're like, well, you have to learn how to swim. And I was like, okay, I'm leaving this. I'm not going to learn how to swim. So I left it. It was my first and last session.
0: And... Her plan works. She put herself out there, and she made friends with people her own age. And they have all the hot goss.
1: So they were just telling me all about our college and, and, and what's the gossip that's going on. And then one day they told me about this bell tower and this rooftop experience, that, that if you are studying in this college, you have to have that experience at least once.
0: The experience that she has to have is literally climbing onto the roof of a three-story building and then up to where the bell tower is to hang out on the roof. But it's treacherous to get up there. And if you get caught, you could get kicked out of school.
1: I'm excited and I'm worried and I'm nervous and I'm imagining for a second how am I going to climb up there. It's it's on the third floor. It's, it's risky. It's scary. What's the way up there? And I decided to go. So they head to the building. We go up all the stairs. We go to the third floor. And there is this uh, small room, which is used as a prayer room. And there's a small square window across from them. There's like, you know, a very small, limited, cemented sort of roof piece there. You should not look down because, you know, it can make you dizzy and you could fall any moment. And if you fall, like, there's a risk of dying. You know, anything could happen. You could just break your legs or anything. And then, you know, you climb uh, the the steel stairs and uh, there you are. You are on the rooftop. And you can see the bell tower right there, and you are seeing yourself in the middle of this college, surrounded by these beautiful accommodation buildings. You can see the gardens. you can see the river flowing. Uh, and you can see people are walking around. and we could we could also like see the bell. This is the bell that we would hear every hour. Because the bell rings, you know, uh, and uh, so it's just to be that close to the bell was also fascinating. And I was just like, you know, and just for a second, you're wondering, like, what everybody else is doing. You know, who's who's going to be studying at this moment? Who's in the library? Uh, do they know that I'm up here? And what if they see me? And, like, what are they thinking right now? I remember, like, my friends, they were playing music and... um it it was just beautiful, and you are living that moment with your friends, without thinking about any worries. Sitting up there, you know, feeling the air around me, and 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 exploring that that Malala inside me is finally finding the courage to be herself. It's it's just that moment when you are with yourself, and, and and you are just feeling the environment around you. When uh, I was on the roof tower, I saw myself as a as a student, as a college student, as a young woman who should have the right to have her life and uh, who should be able to enjoy her moments and who should not continue living her life based on how people have defined her and just feel like she's just like any other college student.
0: Tell Them I Am is presented by Higher Ground Audio and Spotify and produced by Dustlight Productions. I'm your host and executive producer, Misha Youssef. The executive producers at Higher Ground Audio are Dan Fearman, Mukta Mohan, and Anna Holmes. Janae Maribel is editorial assistant. From Dustlight Productions, Mary Knopf is our executive producer. Ariana Garib Lee and Jonathan Shiflet are our producers. Arwen Nix is our editor. Valeria Alarcone is our apprentice. This episode was written by me, Mary Knopf, and Arwen Nix. It was sound designed by Arwen Nix and Mary Knopf. Valentina Rivera is our engineer. David Linard is our composer and made our gorgeous original music. Emin Ahmed is our illustrator and the creator of our episodic art. Elizabeth Goodspeed made our amazing series tile art. Special thanks to Rachel Garcia, our development and operations coordinator. From Spotify, executive producers are Daniel Eck, Don Ostroff, and Courtney Holt. This podcast was originally a production of LAS Studios.